We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Bronx Pinstripe Show number 18. We are rolling along. The Yankees are rolling along since last weekend. Good news here. Uh, Scott, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Uh, I'm good, man. Six in a row. My voice is probably the worst thing that we're going to talk about today because it's uh, it's in pretty bad shape after a Billy Joel concert. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch these guys uh, playing some good ball lately. Was it strictly 80s Billy Joel or was it was it everything? <laughs> I mean, Billy Joel plays the hits, I think, when you go to his concert. It's the first time I've ever been there, and it was uh, it was awesome. I mean, the guy could still belt, and what was crazy about last night is that my voice really got shot because while we were walking in, my wife and her friend got flagged down by, like, the beer line or whatever by one of Billy Joel's PR guys, and... Um, and we, they gave us, uh, they upgraded our seats to the orchestra, so we were literally Seriously? in the third row. Yeah. How'd, yeah, you, so we, how'd you swing that? I well, I outkicked my coverage and I married up. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and and apparently Billy Joel likes blonde. So um, so yeah, man, we got we were we ended up literally in the very front row of Billy Joel. It was it was ridiculous. That's it sick. was awesome. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. So, so I guess you had a good time, right? I had a great time, and I'm paying for it right now a little bit. But yes, it was a lot of fun. It was Gavin DeGraw open for him, which I didn't even know was happening, and uh, and then and then Billy Joel played for for a while, like three hours. So he played all the good stuff. So it was like, did you tailgate all afternoon and stuff? 
Yeah, we tailgated. Uh, uh, we had a winery that, uh, early on, and then so it was a long day, man. Some a little bit of bo- little bit of boozing. Yeah, wow. well, it was uh, it was just a new one, so we wanted to check it out, and then we went and tailgated for like three hours as well. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot, man. All right, so how, how are you feeling this morning? Better than I was expecting, actually. I'm a seasoned <laughs> pro at this point. Yeah, you're a vet, right? I'm a vet. The voice can't handle it, though. The voice gets shot fast. But that's from singing Piano Man and, you know, Vienna and all the songs moving out. I was, I was, uh, I was, I thought I was Billy Joel for a little, for a little bit there. So I think uh, you and I both had a busy weekend. I was actually up at a wedding in Vermont. Um, one of my best friends from college is getting ma- got married yesterday to nice. another one of my my uh, best friends from college. So they we were all up there for the wedding. So I totally missed Friday through Sunday, uh, but I'll still talk about it and uh, pretend <laughs> I watched. Uh, and you guys just uh, won't know that I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> well, now they will, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's the beauty about highlights. We can. Uh, the, the cool thing about it is because I, I had missed a couple of games just because of uh, you know I had things going on. But I mean, you can check everything on your phone, and literally, I can see what's happening. And then the highlights are so fast and immediate and thorough. So, you know. Well, I didn't think it would look good if I'm you know I was a groomsman, so if I was standing up there you know checking my phone, seeing seeing what's going on, I don't think that would be a good look. Yeah, so you're not you're not in the commercial with the guy checking his phone at the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> this was this was like the first of my close friends to get married. Okay, um, so I think my group of friends are going to start getting into the weddings. You know, we're we're approaching that age here, late twenties, where the dominoes are going to start to fall and people are going to start to get married. But weddings are freaking awesome, man! Especially when it's like all your close friends, people you went to college with. It was just a blast. Well, what I've realized is that when you uh, so. Uh, I'm, you and I know this, but I'm a little older than you. I actually turned 35 on Friday. And when we go to weddings now, and you're probably experiencing this now because you're going through the wedding you know, run of all your friends is you act like when you get together, it's college again. Yep. Because that's the only <laughs> way you know how to handle these people, hang, hang out with these people. And yeah. you just revert. <laughs> so it was, we rented a house. Uh, so we all went to school at UVM and we were in a frat and it was, it was, the street that the frat was on, we ended up renting a house for this weekend that was about a block down the street. So it was really a blast from the past. We just we just immediately reverted into college mode. Yeah, that's just, it's, it's impossible not to. Yeah, three straight days of degenerate drinking and partying, and it was an awesome time. Oh, that's good. And and the she showed up, he showed up. Yep, yep. Every, everybody's still married. That's good. Yeah, as of as of uh, 8 p.m. on Sunday, they are still married, which nice. is good. Oh, about 24 hours later, they have not uh, gone things off yet. So good, good, good news. Good no. in, all in all seriousness, though, uh, I'm extremely happy for them. I know uh, one of my the the guy who got married. He does listen to the show. He's a Yankees fan as well. So Chris, shout out to you. It was an awesome wedding and congrats. Nice, um, congrats, Chris. Yes. So uh, we've uh, it's been a busy week. It has been a busy week. We've done a lot of stuff, uh, both the Yankees and Bronx Pinstripes, you know, our website. We've Our servers have crashed. We've made national news. <laughs> we've brought on, uh, you know, four or five new writers, which I'm really excited about. Uh, there's We have uh, some, some really cool contests that we're running. There's just a ridiculous amount of things going on. So the, the Hank Steinbrenner Golf Tournament Contest, what, what's that about? 
Yeah, so that that's something that's actually really exciting. Um, uh, we we got in touch with some of the people who are running the the, uh, the golf tournament, and uh, we were able to get some tickets that we can give away. So we're actually giving away a pair of tickets to go to the cocktail uh, cocktail hour and the dinner um, after the golf tournament itself. And there's going to be a ridiculous amount of Yankees there. Um, the dinner is actually to honor Dellen Batantis and some of the nonprofit stuff that he's doing. But A Rod's going to be there for an hour at least. Um, all the yes guys are going to be there. So you got Cone um, and then Michael Kay and a lot of those guys are going to be there. Boomer Wells, Willie Randolph, um, Donald Trump's going to be there. So there's a, a whole slew of guys that are Cecil Fielder, um, Reggie Jackson. And the cool thing about this is that there's going to be access to these guys from what I understand. And so these the, whoever wins these two tickets is really going to have a, a good opportunity to, um, you know, to, to shake some hands, take some pictures and meet some of these guys. So it's really cool. All right. So two tickets. How do they how do they win? How do they enter? We have it on our Facebook page. Uh, there's a there's a form. If you look, the Facebook has apps, so you'll see on the left hand side it says uh, "Win Ticket." So go there and enter that way. Um, we'll be promoting it Monday, so when when this is released Monday morning, you'll see uh, a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook and probably Twitter, and we will go there too. So um, I'm going to be there as well, so that'll be fun. We'll be able to meet uh, the, the the people who win, and uh, we'll hang out with them for a little bit, and then we'll go in. So that's it. That it'll be it'll be really cool. It'll be a, it's going to be a really cool experience. Yeah, that's an awesome prize. I mean, that's that's like better than game tickets you get to actually meet some of these guys yeah it's uh and it's july 6th so it's right after the fourth of july weekend it's an off day um and uh yeah the, so they'll be out in full force it's gonna be a lot of fun awesome that's not, that sounds great and uh we've got you know hopefully someone from the bronx faithful will win these tickets right we we started you know about the hashtag bronx faithful our first blog uh, of just pictures uh, on instagram and twitter and people sending in pictures using the hashtag from the games went up last week uh it was pretty awesome to see uh just really the the how far we've reached and we just started this a couple weeks ago so i think by the end of the season this is going to be a huge thing no i agree and you know we did this last post so we do a bronx faithful post now we've just started doing it to just kind of show all the yankee fans with the hashtag and it's just a cool way to connect with the fans and have you guys um it's just i, I think it's fun to see the, the stream of fans at the game and um this one was only instagram but we're going to start including twitter as well so i know today we got a whole bunch of uh, bronx faithful tags on twitter as well so just keep them coming in man and uh guys and, and we'll you know we'll start uh putting up even more on the uh, on the post so i think i'm going to make a page too of all all the pictures so that'll be cool and definitely if you have a shirt one of the bronx pinstripe shirts you know take a selfie have someone take a picture of you use use the hashtag and we'll definitely get your picture up there on the site yep absolutely absolutely there's a whole bunch of them on there right now so all right so we got some new family members to, to the bronx pinstripes family we do. We're up to like, we have right around 20 writers now. Uh, we brought some new people on. Uh, we, we did an expansion. We have some big news coming up that we'll probably announce next week oh, uh, on the podcast. Big league tease, big league tease. And uh, so, so we got some good stuff coming up, and yeah, and some new writers, which I'm really excited about. These guys, uh, you know, I, I kind of put the there's a there's a process uh, when people are coming in, and you know, I, I do a bunch of emailing with them back and forth, and you know, so we, we really screen the the writers when they come on to Bronx Pinstripes, and a lot of a lot of these guys are, are either journalism majors or have graduated, or so we have some really talented um, new guys coming on to to kind of join the talent that we already have. So it's exciting to see new people, and everybody's just passionate Yankee fans, which is awesome because that's what the site is. Now. it's all Yankee fans talking about the Yankees uh, for the Yankees fans. So uh, it, it's really coming to fruition, which is awesome. It is. It's good to see. You know, I, I remember the days when it was just three of us, and now we're up to 20. So three of us in the lowly nyyuniverse.com. We have, <laughs> we have grown. R.I.P. 
R.I.P. NYY Universe. That's right. That's okay. Bronx Pinstripes dominates NYY Universe now. So I'm happy that all that went down. So you mentioned this a few minutes ago that we sort of started a war between people from Seattle and New York this past week. Yep. And I don't know if, you know, for people listening, if you if you saw, I posted a blog um, about Robinson Cano not being happy in Seattle. I posted it on, I think, Tuesday. Right. And this is just this was me reacting to something Michael Kay said on his radio show that Cano was maybe unhappy in Seattle because he felt like Jay-Z may have used him to sign a big contract, make a splash for Rock Nation. The fact that Seattle does not have a strong Dominican population and obviously Cano is Dominican and New York has a huge Dominican population. The fact that Seattle has long travel, it's all the way in the Northwest. If he wants to get down to the Dominican, you know, his family's down there. I know his dad flies back and forth a bunch. So there's just, you know, rumors circulating that Cano might not be happy in Seattle. Very harmless rumors. And I just reacted to them. And you would have thought I criticized everybody in Seattle's mother. It was insane. (laughs) It was ridiculous. We got no, it was, well, first of all, it was a very harmless post, an article, like, literally, you reacted to something that Michael Kay said. I mean, in no way was it, like, made... It like, was not breaking news. Yeah, and, and it wasn't, like, sent out like we were trying to, like, get clicks and things like that. that that's just not the way it went down at all. I was expecting, you know, just a, a regular post. I wasn't expecting the way it went. But it got picked up by Yahoo. <clears throat> it got picked up by um, Fox Sports. It got picked up by a lot of really big... It got shared on Facebook, like, 600 times. So we, we had literally... Um, you know, consistently throughout the day, we had two to 300 people on that article alone on the website and it crashed our server like 15 <laughs> times. Yes, yeah, I had to go and I was on, yeah, I was on the, um, the back end with my, our server guys like all day, just trying to keep the site up so that people could go and read it. And, um, yeah, it, it was crazy. The, the amount of uh, attention that it got, but you're right. The comments, it turned into a New York versus Seattle war. People were just going at it like like insults. Like I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, I got I got the brunt of those insults. But we normally get about maybe one or two comments per blog post, and we got 113 that yeah. are currently on the website. We got more like 120 because we had to delete a few. Yeah, I did go back and delete some just because, you know, I don't want any, uh, you know, cursing or any of that stuff on there. Like, there were personal attacks going on. Like, uh, that's just just not going to fly on the site. But, yeah, it was – I don't mind good, good-hearted banter, but, you know, you start – Throwing some f bombs and personally yeah, the attacking people. one guy that just like, came out and just God. said "f you, Andrew." <laughs> yeah. He said the word. I'm like, wow, did I really insult you that much that you just I know. you know just anonymously posting on on a website? You know, yeah. It was fun. It was fun though. It was fun. It, good. I you know I wasn't doing it for that reason. I wasn't trying to to you know incite a, a little war there. But it's it's fun to see that passion in the fans. You know, people going at it. That's. That's what. That's why baseball is so great. That's why you know. I thought it was a great series in Seattle, and I think that just added it added to it for me at least. Yeah, it was a great series for us for sure. It was. Yeah. It was definitely a lot better for us than it was for them. But um, it was. I mean, it, I think that kind of fueled it. It got me more pumped up. And ever since they knocked Mattingly out, man, I, I've I've uh, I've had a very um, large dislike for the Seattle Mariners. So I'm good with what happened. I'm very happy and. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. I just want to react to one comment, though, if you'll let me. Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. So one guy. So uh, on the website, it says, you know, we have a little bio, and it says that I'm from Rhode Island, which which is where I'm from. 
and somebody, you know, said some nasty things about my home state. You know, <laughs> yes, the the usuals that it's it's the smallest state. You know, blah blah blah. That it, apparently he doesn't like the tennis hall of fame. Like, you know, we can't get the baseball hall of fame. Like, give us a break. Little does he know we invented Dell's lemonade, which is the shit, and also Rocco Baldelli. So jokes on him. So next time, you know, don't throw stones, man. <laughs> there you go. Go go Rhode Island, man. That's that's a you gotta stand up for. And there's state. plenty of Yankee fans in Rhode Island. People, you know, some people give me shit that uh, you know, I should be a Red Sox fan since I grew up technically in New England. But there's a good amount of Yankee fans in Rhode Island, and and you know, the my dad's side of my family has some New York roots, which is where the the Yankee fandom comes from. That's anyway. good. You don't. You don't need to defend your Yankee fandom. I, I'm pretty sure that you know you, you host a, a podcast on, on a on a website that covers just Yankees for you know five years. So I think you've done I think you've done a good job with that. <laughs> anyway, so you ready to get into uh, some of these game recaps here? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. It's we been a good week of baseball. Exactly, good week of baseball. Six and zero since they laid an egg in Oakland, but after they did lay that egg, they are going up against King Felix Monday night. And, of course, they, they shell them because that's what the 2015 Yankees do. They go to Oakland and get their ass kicked, and then they go in against the best pitcher in baseball and absolutely crush them. I just can't figure this team out sometimes. Yeah, you expect to, to just get mowed over in that game uh, going into Seattle well, well, after Not the, mowed over. I mean, it was an awesome pitching matchup. Pineda versus King Felix. That's about as good as it gets. Well, as far yeah, okay, I'm not mowed over with the sense that Pineda's pitching fine, but I mean, what I meant was is that you expect Felix Hernandez to go in there and mow over the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. And well, a couple things is that he did not have his good stuff at all. I mean, he had what four or five walks um, early on in the game, and um, you know, you you and I were talking about this. He had he was definitely in his own head about the 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 mound. Well, so he went. the Yankees didn't have a base runner through three innings, and right. um, and he threw like thirty pitches through three innings. I'm like, yeah, King this Felix is, is on his way to a perfect game tonight, and then. And it, it was raining in Seattle, and they have a roof. I don't know. They why were closing it. it. It was closing. It just closes. Yeah, you can't slowly. tell me they couldn't look at their their stupid iPhones and figure out it's going to rain in about an hour and keep the roof closed. It just didn't make sense. It's like when the Marlins guys forgot to close the roof. Right. So you're in Seattle. It rains every other day. Keep the roof closed if there's rain in the forecast. Anyway, it got in his head. Like you said, the mound was a little muddy. He, it looked like he wasn't comfortable with his cleats, and he totally derailed him in the fourth inning. He had a couple walks. Yankees loaded the bases. They got two runs out of that, and I and I was like, oh, oh no, they let him off the hook. They and did, He's going to yeah. settle into the game. But then the next inning, he was still rattled, um, like you said, still missing, missing his location, and the Yankees loaded the bases again, and Teixeira, who... He crushes Felix. I think he has five career home runs off King Felix, which is he crushes everything at Safeco too. Which Safe is are ridiculous because you know, it, you know, plenty of people have offers against Felix, and he hit a grand slam and really put the game out of reach in the fifth inning. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was a really big moment, and I, so Texas numbers. I think at the end of it, we put up a, a graphic on Instagram. In Seattle, his his numbers career are two eighty seven average, nineteen home runs, and forty seven RBIs. So he loves Safeco Field, and you know that was a huge moment to just. Uh, it was it was kind of a knockout punch to King Felix at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I was stunned, and uh, Pineda was strong the whole game, which was it was it was about as good as a Yankee win as you can get. 
Yep, it was awesome. And, you know, Pineda going back into Seattle. Yep. Uh, obviously, you have that that headline there with Pineda, um, you know, with the trade, obviously, that we sent Montero to uh, Seattle. And then, you know, just kind of Pineda versus Big Mike versus King Felix type deal. Um, so, yeah, he, he stepped up to, to, the, to the plate, uh, no pun intended. But <laughs> he, he really did, you know, kind of man up on that occasion and showed a lot of moxie. So that was really good to see. Because I know you and I have talked about this over the past couple of weeks where we were maybe questioning a little bit some of his mental toughness after you know that one outing in the in the Bronx no he went in there on a mission and he stepped up big time yep Tuesday they won in extra innings this was a freaking awesome game um uh, it was an 11 inning game on the west coast so it ended around 2 a.m yeah if you did stay up and watch it it was one of the more exciting games of the year so CC started the game and he was pretty good through five innings he got out of a big jam in the fourth um I don't know if uh, you saw this, but Seeger tried to bunt with two outs and a guy on third. And obviously we know CC has not uh, fielded his position very well this year. But he did make a nice play, and he was really fired up after it. He was sort of... I don't think he was... I don't know if he was mad at Seeger for bunting or if he was just fired up that he made the play. But yeah. uh, that was good to see out of CC. You know, so that makes two because the last one and then today he was... Um, today being Sunday, we're recording. He he's gotten he's shown a lot more fire lately, and I I think it's personally a frustration on his part because probably you know he's not used to he's not used to being bad. He's he's been you know a, a top line starter his entire life up until you know the past couple of years, and I think it's just frustrating for him that he's not doing well. So you know I love seeing that fire. So he's through five innings. He was at eighty pitches, and we talked about this last week that. That's about been his ceiling this year. Five, five or six innings, 80, mm-hmm. 85 pitches, and then he really falls off a cliff. But right. Girardi brought him back out for the sixth inning. It was a, it was a tie game at this point. It was a two to two. Um, and he brought him back out for the, for the sixth inning and uh, got in trouble. And in comes David Carpenter, who's no longer here, so I can only get so mad at him. And uh, he gave up a double to Austin Jackson, who was four for four on the night. Um, and that was just classic. That was it for David Carpenter. Obviously, he got DFA'd after the game. But first of all, Girardi, what are you doing bringing CC back out when you we've seen time after time this year he's already reached his limit? And two, why are you bringing in David Carpenter in a pressure situation? It's just, again, another thing that Girardi does that I don't understand. Yeah, his management of the bullpen is just it's sometimes it's very head scratching in what he does and bringing him back out um uh, you know we we know how his numbers look uh so so that's one thing and then Carpenter I don't get that you know bringing Carpenter in that situation that makes no sense to me. So you know again just it's just one of those head scratchers from Joe. Well, so it, Austin Jackson was 3 for 3 off CC, so he wasn't going to let CC face him, which I understand. And I guess you don't want to bring in a lefty to face Austin Jackson and the Yankees pen is thin on right-handers so I guess Carpenter was his only option at that point yeah but that's the matchup thing that we're talking about like he just reverts to the matchup of righty lefty at that point when it doesn't matter he doesn't look at who the righty is you know it's I mean that we have uh, guys who have very low batting averages uh, against against um, lefties who are left-handed pitchers? So I mean, the, the the matchup I understand, but we have guys who are who are doing well against batters on both sides of the plate. Also, if you're going to bring Carpenter in, at least use him on a fresh inning and not in a jam, because he's let he let something like seventy percent of his inherited runners score 
when he so far when he was with the Yankees. That's a crazy number. So That's a ridiculous number. It's just like how many times are you going to get snake bitten before you actually before you finally do something about it? And they did. They 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 cut him. They DFA'd him. So at least we don't have to see him anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit too because yeah. I have I have some comments on that one, and I, I don't. I mean, I, I totally understand why he got DFA'd, but I don't agree with the move uh, wholeheartedly. So we'll talk about that. We'll get that in a second. But Lloyd McClendon, uh, the Mariners manager, had one of the best classic classic rants <laughs> you're gonna see. He took on all three umpires. First base umpire, then he went to the home plate umpire, then he went down the third base line, kicked his hat, kicked dirt, got in their face. It, it, it was it was hilarious. I love the fact that baseball uh, is a sport that it's completely appropriate to like kick dirt and and for managers to like argue face to face. I love that it's that it's like you know you know it's it's a you know people enjoy doing it and enjoy seeing it. And it's part of the game. I love that. I love it's, it. It's so funny the only though. place a grown man can do that. Yeah, it's so funny though because he's out there. Obviously, you can't hit the guy, so it's like he, he's so angry. What is he gonna do? I'm just gonna <laughs> kick this dirt because I don't know what else to do. Yeah. I got to do something, and yeah. dirt is the closest thing I can do. It was awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love I love manager rant. So that was a good one. Yep, Girardi's had a few good ones too. I'll give him that. He he is he is pretty good at getting tossed from games. He gets fired up, man. Those veins start popping yeah. out of his neck too. And he's got like the forearms of of like a a tree like chopper or something. I would yeah. not want to mess with him when he's angry. Right. Anyway. Uh, the the game was was it was, was it was a great game, and we're going into the seventh inning. The Yankees are down a run, and they got a little bit of a rally going. Didi come, came into the game. He didn't start the game. He came into the game, and he was rounding second uh, on a base hit. He, um, I forget who got the hit, but he he was going trying to go first to third on the base hit, and he literally just fell down three feet after or three steps after second base. Throw came behind him, and he got tagged out. Killed the rally. So is this where you're going to yell at DD for falling? Well, but listen, okay. <laughs> I know he didn't fall on purpose, but that's just another thing uh, we've been talking about all year where DD makes errors like that. And it's just, it's just, it keeps building up where it gets to a point where maybe you just think DD doesn't have good baseball instincts. Things go wrong for him for whatever reason. And, you know, I know he's been coming around with the bat lately. He has but, been, but it, it's things like that that piss me off. <laughs> but but he wasn't reacting to like a line drive and like shifting gears or anything like that. He literally just fell coming around the bag. Yeah, like he just, after he, the bag, he, he just he was he was trying to go to third base and he he just fell. It looked right. like he just tripped. <laughs> okay, so I, for, to me that's like you know something that's completely non related to anything else. Um, and uh, and well, it's DDB and DD. It's DDB and DD, I guess. Yeah, let's let's improve that footwork. Yeah, ba- better balance, DD. Come on. I, again, I know he didn't. <laughs> it's not like a like he didn't boot a ball or anything. But yeah. I was really heated at the time when it <laughs> happened. Uh, Yankees were down uh, to their last uh, few outs, and uh, Stephen Drew came through with a game tying hit. How about that? I have been crushing Stephen Drew all year. And, I mean, I'm probably going to continue to still crush him. People were asking, like, immediately after those hits, and then he hit a couple home runs a couple days later, we're like, oh, are you going to stop talking shit about Stephen Drew? I'm like, no, I'm not going to stop talking about (laughs) Stephen Drew because this is what he'll do. He'll hit those two home runs. And, yes, they were timely hits. They were awesome. I'm really happy that he did it. I really am because it's not like I'm rooting against him. I'm just rooting for – 
the uniform to do well at second base. And But what's going to happen with Stephen Drew is that he's going to follow that up with a three for 28. That's what's going to happen. And those threes are going to be, you know, they're going to be squibs in the, in the, in the infield. So he's, he's proved over the past year, it's been a substantial amount of at-bats that he cannot hit over 200. So, I, you know, yes, while I can get excited about the moments that he does well, because they are few and far between, I will still say that we need to upgrade that position. So rant over. But yeah, uh, good, good for one. him. I feel like you feel better now. Oh my God! I mean, I just can't handle people coming out and saying, "Oh, you're gonna start, you're gonna stop talking about him." No, I'm not. I need, I need to see a, a sustained amount of Stephen Drew doing well, and then I will back off. But until then, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with the moments. That's, that's all I'll say about it. It's interesting. You are much harder on Drew than I am, and I'm much harder on Didi than you are. That's true, because I, I feel like Steve. Well, one Stephen Drew to me is more of a vet, and he's been in the league for longer, so he is what we know he is. Didi to me is more of an unknown, so I see potential there. I don't see potential in Stephen Drew, and I'm a big potential guy. <laughs> I see a hell of a lot more potential with two guys behind him that are not getting a chance to play every day. That's where I see the potential, and I see it being stomped because Perello needs to play every day in order to get that bat around. So yes, that's why I'm very very hard on Stephen Drew. Not necessarily Stephen Drew, but the people that are keeping him in the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you you want some good news? You want some good yes, news? Yes, please give me some good news. Garrett Jones, three run bomb in the eleventh inning to win the game. How about that? That's awesome. That's a guy that that is playing in a role that is supposed to come off the bench, provide some flexibility on defense, and some pop late in games. Right? That's what we're looking for, and that's exactly what he's been doing this past week. So um, good for Garrett Jones to finally find that stroke. Yeah, and there were I read something after because uh, he hit two uh, he hit a home run the next day too, and then yes. uh, I think I read something uh, I I can't remember where I read it that A Rod has been really mentoring Garrett Jones. So A Rod, how about that? The leader uh, leading the Yankees in 2015. You know, the more the season goes on, the more I see A Rod playing, the the more I I truly believe that he looks and and actually finally has been humbled and has been humbled by the game and the fans and everything that's that's happened and everything he's done. I feel like he's in a good place and he's really taking on that that kind of quiet leader role. Uh, within the clubhouse and he's really just kind of using the knowledge that he has because he's a freak of an athlete a freak of a baseball player that probably didn't need all the stuff that he did and you know i i truly it looks like he's humbled so um you know good for him taking on that role welcome to the dark side scott (laughs) it's not the dark side i still don't have a lot of respect for the man but (laughs) i have respect for the way he's handling himself this year so the Yankees got the extra inning win Tuesday, which was awesome. And then Wednesday, uh, it was Tanaka's first return back, and he was unhittable. Filthy. Just filthy. He got into one minor little jam in the third inning, and Flores, uh, Ramon Flores, who made like a million good plays on the ro- on that road trip, yeah. threw, a guy out, threw a guy out at the plate. Twice. And other than that, Tanaka was unhittable. He only threw 78 pitches through seven innings. They were going to limit him to 85 on the game anyway. And he, he had no walks. It, it, he was throwing 94, 95. I think he topped out at 95. His split looked good. He was, he was throwing his slider. He was mixing his pitches. He got a lot of called third strikes, which means his pitches had a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. So it was just good all around. Yeah, he looked really good. Um, I mean, he looks healthy, right? He looks like a guy that that does, that does not have any any problems with that arm. So um, for everything from I've what we saw. Here. 
You're right. It was it was awesome to see that, and especially being his first his first outing in you know back after that that that's that injury. So um, yeah, it looks like all 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 on go for him. All, you know everything is everything is looking good. Uh, One minor uh, second guess here. It was so they got him through seven innings. He had 78 pitches, like I just said, and then Joe takes him out, which I totally understand because you, yeah. you want to keep him healthy. Right. But in a three one game, you bring in Capuano. Who yeah, I don't is get that. A converted starter to reliever because he sucked in the rotation, and the reason you have to use him in that situation is because two nights earlier you used Batances in a blowout game, and then you pitched him the next night as well. So he had the day off no matter what. Like, what the hell? How is that? That's terrible bullpen management. I don't get why that was the the biggest problem for me on that one was was Batantis coming in the on Monday night Monday it was Monday night like why are you come why is he bring, bringing him in in because a 7-2 you know why game? you know why the the binder said Batantis hadn't pitched in three or in two days and needed work yeah see I, I that's that's the type of thing that I cannot handle and it because it, it bites you in the ass the next day where he wasn't ready to go and you bring in Capuano in a close game I, I don't really understand the logic I yeah, mean if it's a 6-1 game I understand but it's a two-run game you don't Capuano's not a short reliever he's yeah, a he's starter that, he just got put in that situation too that was his first time in the bullpen coming out yeah, so yeah, surprise, surprise, I don't get it. surprise, surprise, he got in a jam, and Miller had to come in, and he got out of a bases loaded jam anyway. Miller got five outs. Yes. So if you're going to use Miller for five outs anyway, why not just start him in the eighth inning clean and have him get into two-out save? Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I don't get that that particular move. I would just wouldn't have brought in Capuano. I would have brought in somebody else. Um, but, yeah, so that's a head-scratcher right there, man. So they got out of Seattle with the three-game sweep and then the off day. It... it it really turned around what could have been a very disappointing road trip. So they came back home on a little bit of a roll. They were in first place. Angels coming into town. And uh, this is where I go dark because I did not watch any of the games over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, so the they coming off of that coming off of that Seattle uh, trip, they needed to win that series, in my opinion, because I think maybe the Yankees also internally were a little shell shocked from that Oakland series. Yep. I, you know, I think I think that that kind of hit that the team relatively hard and they came out fired up all all cylinders going in Seattle. So that was a big, you know, just for just for the confidence of the team. It seems like they kind of play up to their competition, which, you know, Oakland worst team in the league, they they play like crap and then Seattle who, you know, record-wise might not be uh, one of the best teams in the league, but they were going up against Felix Hernandez. The the Mariners have Nelson Cruz, who's probably the best hitter in the league this year. So they got a lot of good players on the team. Obviously Cano as well, um, and they and they and they they swept them. So you know, I don't know. I can't figure this team out. Yeah, well, it's okay, you know, because now we're on the hot side of that streak. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, there's there's the another side of the, uh, the uh, what's on the other side of this streak is what I'm, yeah, uh, what I'm it's scared much, about. It's much better when you can't figure out why they're winning than when you can't figure out why they're losing. Right, exactly. So, so Friday night they come in um, and they win eight seven. Drew again. This is where I was talking about. He had two home runs, two home runs. So. Hey, maybe he's coming around. Maybe you you seen that, but uh, to me, I, I'm. It's like for it's, it's like fool's gold. Uh, like he he shows he shows some some a couple good games. Like right on the brink where he's about to get. I feel like he's like that close to getting DFA'd. Like really, like this week, he had another bad week. I swear he was gone. And now and now he's like right back in the mill. And we're gonna see another uh, another streak. But so here's I, the reason why I don't think they're gonna let him go is because. 
he they need as many middle infielders as they can get because no one has really stepped up. So they're not just going to let somebody go. They're going to try and find somebody who who's who's getting hot. And maybe Drew's getting hot. Maybe. But the problem uh, here's the problem for me now because now we have two guys. We have Stephen Drew and then we have Brendan Ryan who's rehabbing in AAA. Yeah. And to me they're very similar players. Um, Brendan Ryan doesn't have as much power but they're neither one of them are going to hit for average uh, and they're both you know, plus defenders. So to me, they're both great utility guys. They can they can both play second and short, and they're great guys to have as flexibility as a utility guy. Like I have no problem with Stephen Drew being on the team as a utility guy because he's got pop, he's got a great glove. So that's that's kind of what you're looking for. Maybe a late you know a late um, a late game pinch hit home run type thing, and you know defense. That that's good. That's a good role for him, in my opinion. Having Perella as a starter. Or you know, bringing up Ref Steiner and having one of these two guys as the, a late, uh, late game defender, I have no problem with that. But problem I have is that him getting hot, and them sticking with him as the everyday guy, and then Perella as a utility guy. With to, to me, Perella is not going to come around with the bat unless he's playing every day. Absolutely, which is why if they if they do call up Brendan Ryan, he's going to go down because he's the he's the one with options. Perella is, and I, I I guess I understand it because what good is Perella just sitting on the bench playing once a week? You're not you're never going to get him going. He needs at bats. But that's the thing. Like I don't want Drew and Ryan on the same on the on the roster yeah, at the same like, time. Yeah, They're I the agree. same guy. Yep. So that, that's Drew, that's though. the biggest problem for me is that I think that Perella needs to be in that everyday second base role. Um, you know, give him some time to prove that he can do it or not prove whatever, but give him some time because at this point it's you know why not? Um, and then having Drew or Ryan as one of those guys, you know, uh, be the utility backup guy. So so that that to me is the ideal situation. So Evaldi pitched again, uh, pitched five and a third. He only gave up four hits, which is good. You know, he usually gives up about nine hits in five and a third innings. Right. Only one one run, so again, good. But four walks and ninety three pitches, not even through uh, six innings. It's it's just way too much. It is way too much. But you know, I tweeted this while while watching him pitch, and uh, you know, it's you know, I've been obviously you've been harder on Evaldi than I am because I'm a very big potential person, right? That's I, I really do. I, I I love potential. I I have more patience with people that have that potential. And to me, Evaldi's that guy. Evaldi's just he, I I don't know. He, to me, he just looks so close to being. Uh, you know that much better. Like he's so yeah, you're close. dazzled by the the mid nineties fast. I am. I'm dazzled by the by the stuff. I really am. And you know the the walks. He, that that would that right there is uh, a little un, un, unfamiliar to him. He doesn't walk as many guys, but he throws a lot of pitches, and that's his problem. Like he he doesn't have that put out. Nope. He doesn't have that killer put out pitch that he can you know start managing that pitch count a little bit better, and and make guys uh, miss. Um, you know, w- with two strikes. So, you know, he's still a work in progress, in my opinion, and uh, and hopefully he just keeps getting better and keeps getting better. But yeah, he's got to he's got to get better with his location. That's that's his that's his that's his Achilles heel. So I was at the rehearsal dinner Friday night. I, I checked the score, and they were they were they were crushing him. It was I think eight to two going into the ninth inning, right? Yes. What the hell happened? Oh my god! So this is where I tweeted I'm going to destroy Esmeral Rogers on this podcast, and I, and here it comes. So. 
Okay, so Espio Rogers should have had an out. He comes into the game, mop-up duty, perfect situation for Espio Rogers. This is exactly why I want him. <laughs> this is exactly the situation I want him in. Mop-up duty, 8-2, to two, okay, perfect. Espio Rogers finish the game out, give up a run, fine, whatever. Let's end this game. I had The Wire, season four, queued up, ready to watch with my wife because she's never seen it. I'm like, ready to go. Like, let's just get three out so I can get on get my night. And w- lo and behold, uh, a fly ball... Uh, routine fly ball to um, Chase Headley. He's camped underneath it. Perella's behind him. He must have heard Headley something. Headley moved over to first. Yeah, I'm sorry. Perella, yes, Headley moved over to first. So he he moved out of the way because he heard Perella say something. I guess he heard him call it or whatever. I don't know what happened there. Ball drops, runner on first. And then from there, it was just a disaster. Estill Rogers was walking, guys, hits. I mean, it was just, it was a complete meltdown of of a of an inning. And then Batantis had to come up and clean up, clean up Espio Rogers' mess, and he gave up. You know the first first run of his uh, of his season, uh, earned run, right? Yeah. And and then he um, he finally got out of it, and the Yankees won the game. But well, he gave up all of Esmel Rogers' runs, and then one of his own. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he came into a situation that was obviously less than ideal, yeah. and you know his numbers are way better when Batantis comes in with a clean inning. And uh, but yeah, it was just it was just terrible. Esmel Rogers, like, come on, come on, bro. You know, tie one on. Put put the put the game in the books. Gets three outs and, so listen, and let's go home. I understand you get a pop up that should be caught and it's not caught. You know that can mess with some guys. But you're still in a blowout game. Just throw strikes and get out of the game. And that's what was the problem. He he just he, his stuff. I mean, they keep talking about his stuff and patience with his stuff. So this is what I was talking about earlier with with Carpenter, and I, I kind of want to touch on it now because I think it's a perfect time to touch on it. So uh, David Carpenter gets DFA'd earlier in the week, and in my opinion, with all the struggles that David Carpenter's had this season, I get it. He probably deserves it, right? But in my opinion, stuff wise. I'm keeping him on the roster and I'm getting rid of Rodgers because I see more potential. I'll go back to this potential thing again. I've seen Carpenter do it. You know, when he was with the Braves, he had some good numbers. I don't know why he's, you know, hitting this the the, the struggles that he hit this year, but I kind of know what Espiel Rogers is already. He is this guy. He's a guy you're not going to get a lot of production from um, in that middle relief role. And to me, Carpenter has a lot more potential. So I think they DFA'd the wrong guy. Personally, I don't think either one of them would have been um, a great situation, but I don't know. R- Rogers is more of the journeyman uh, type guy where, where Carpenter has a lot more upside uh, for that bullpen. So that's where I disagree with the move. I think they DFA'd the right guy, but I also don't think Rodgers is going to be on this team much longer. And the reason I think they DFA'd the right guy in Carpenter is because he was never going to have it with the Yankees. If you saw his body language on the mound in Seattle, he was throwing balls in the dirt. He was throwing 55-foot sliders. He looked terrible. I understand his stuff is good, and he can throw 98 miles an hour, and he had a good couple years in Atlanta, but, you know... For whatever reason, he could not pitch with the Yankees, and I don't think he was going to get it. And they couldn't keep throwing him out there, waiting for him to get it, watching him blow games. So they made the right move there. But I don't know how much longer Esmil Rogers is going to be on this team. Frankly, he should be gone as soon as Chris Martin is called up, hopefully. Hopefully healthy, because that's a right-hander I think they can they can rely on out of the pen. But I think the only but reason— But we need more right-handed pitching yeah. as well. It's not just we the only just reason sit on one guy. The only reason Rodgers is in the pen right now, I think, is because he throws with his right hand and not his left. 
No, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And you know, we'll get back. We'll get to some mailbag questions because this is definitely pertaining about you know what we're going to be looking for at the trade deadline because I think this might be you know one of those key areas, obviously. Um, but so, so yeah. Anyway, that was my frustration on that game. Espel Rogers, like it was a, a, an absolutely terrible performance. One of the worst performances I've seen this year from a New York Yankee. It was it was abysmal. It was terrible. Definitely, and they got out with the win. Which is which is fine. Thank God, thank God. Could you imagine if we lost that game? Oh, it would oh. have been the worst loss of the season. Yeah, I would have been. I, you know, thank God we we escaped with that. Thank you, Batantis, for coming in and being the beast that you are. And then Saturday they got they got a big first inning. Uh, there, you know, McCann hit uh, another home run. I guess his foot's okay. We 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 didn't mention this, but McCann left the game on Wednesday early in the game uh, with foot soreness. Um, and you know he got a couple days off and uh, came back Saturday and looked looked like he could at least deal with the pain. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he's he's looked good. Uh, you know, he hit a home run um, when, since he's been back, and you know, I think it's something he's been dealing with. Uh, there, I heard something about orthotics, like he switched to a new orthotic or something, um, and you know, he's had issues with the arch of his foot, which can be very alarming because you know those Liz Frank injuries um, they seem to linger. It's like a torn. Uh, I guess a torn uh, tendon in your in the bottom of your foot, which I can only imagine how painful that is, you know. And it's just something that you use your feet every day. Obviously, it's not something that you can rest. Um, so that's one of those lingering injuries. So hopefully, it, it, it he he can manage the pain and it doesn't become an issue later in the season. But uh, also to come out of this game, and we've said it, I, I feel like I'm a broken record with this, but Warren is a good starting pitcher. He is a good starting pitcher. He's a, one of our, you know, he's he's stabilizing the back end of our rotation. Five five starts in a row now of quote unquote quality start. Six innings or more, three earned runs or less. And if you're getting that out of your fourth or fifth guy in the rotation, you sign up for that every time. No doubt about it. He's looked great. He's really he's really uh, taken this role and 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 shined in it. So you know, good for him. Yeah, it, it's and and you know what? It's kind of funny because it, it does hurt the bullpen the fact that he's pitching so well out of the rotation because that would be the right-hander that we'd use in the seventh inning. That's true, and that's where we thought he was going to go when the, all these guys came back, but you can't move him. Nope. You can't move him. him. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what happens when Nova comes back, um, you know, on, and, and how our situation is going to look then uh, at that point in the year. So we'll, we'll see, but Warren's been tremendous. And, you know, we've needed him because without him being that that stable uh, arm in the back of the rotation, you know, this this team looks a lot different, I think. It's easier to find a, a right-handed reliever that can pitch in the seventh inning than it is to find a quality starter. So, oh, no doubt about it. So no way move him. Um, Sunday, today, the Yankees get the win as well. CC had a rough uh, first inning, gave up a couple bombs, but really settled into the game nicely. And, it, you know, the Angels lineup has some hitters, and they, you know, Trout and Pujols, they can hit lefties. And the fact that CC settled into that game he was moving his pitches around. He was he his, he was throwing his fastball to the in half, inner uh, half of the plate on righties, which is good. And he was using his changeup. He was hitting corners. So um, I think another step forward for CC. Yeah, his changeup and his slider were both very good today. And he was he was really you know getting people to getting guys to miss. And uh, you know he he had a, a bunch of uh, called 
called strikeouts, which is which is a good thing because that means the batter, you know, obviously was was a, a bit full by that pitch, which is which is very good to see because it's what he he's going to have people. to do. Yeah, he has to fool people. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, he's we, we've said this again, broken record, broken record, but you know, it seems like he's kind of maybe settling into that role a little bit more and and getting more comfortable with with uh, with pitching without the velocity that he's had. And you could tell, touching back on this as well, you know, the fire in CC because uh, in this game yep. in the sixth through in the sixth inning he gets tossed at the end of the game end of the sixth because inning. end of the sixth inning right uh, it was on a double play ball he was kind of barking at the home plate uh, umpire and umpire did not the the home plate umpire did not have any of it and then they got real heated Girardi came out both of them got tossed uh, but he was complaining about the low strike not being called on a ball four yeah so here's what I'll say about that first of all I think it was a blessing in disguise that CC got tossed from the game because I think they would have brought him back out for the seventh inning if he stayed in right. the game. And we, we know that he hits a wall after the sixth inning. So I wanted him out of the game anyway. But what are you doing, CC? It's, it's one thing to get fired up, but you can't get run from a game in the middle of a game that you're pitching well in. That's I got zero... Stupid. I got zero problems with him getting run there, and I'll tell you why. Uh, uh, for a few reasons. One, I have a feeling he knew that that was his last inning. I think he knew he was done through six. And with CC, I, you know, I want that fire in him because I need him. Uh, you know, it just proves how much of a competitor he is. And I'll tell you this: knowing that, I think he knew it was his last inning, and he's got—he's a leader on that team. You know, him getting fired up and getting tossed when he knows it's his last inning. I got no problems with that because he's—he's kind of you know showing that he's not going to take that uh, you know from the umpire and, and, and you know with that low strike and he's kind of defending the strike zone for the Yankees at that point at home like he's got to get that call at home and he wasn't getting it so I think he was completely in the right for getting fired up and I you know I think the umpire pushed back a little much and that's why he got tossed you know if you look at the replay and wait, the way it went down is he was just kind of like asking that was low that was low that was low and then the umpire got offended by that and that's he gave him a quick hook yeah and CJ Wilson was getting the low strike I know a couple yeah. of Yankee batters complained about low strike so I think CC just wanted the strike zone to be equal, which is that's right. Totally at fine. home where you should be getting that call. And, but listen, if Girardi and CC had a conversation before the sixth, saying after this inning, no matter what happens, you're done, then I have no problem with CC getting fired up there and getting run from the game. But if that conversation didn't happen, I think that was a uh, that immature move on CC getting thrown thrown out from a game that he's pitching well in. Yeah, well, we're going to disagree on this one because I have zero problem with it. I, I love the fire. I love the fire. The fact that, um, you know, he kind of defended the strike zone. And uh, Yankees rely on the, the long ball again. Young, Gardner, and Perella all went yard. Gardner had the big one, three-run blast. Uh, Perella, Perella is a happy fella, Scott. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but that was, I did. that was Sterling's call of Perella's first career home run, which, goddamn, Sterling, that is an atrocious home run call. Yeah, we're going to need a better effort on you on, on that particular call. That was pretty bad. Uh, but congratulations on Jose Perella. The the youth, the, the the hope at second base who is now, you know, gotten a couple games under his belt where he's playing and you can see the potential on that bat. And uh, he's holding down second base, man. Give me him at second base every day, please. Yes, I think we've uh, beat that horse to death by now. But Yes, I want him playing every day at second base. Every day. <laughs> And it was another thing about about the uh, wait. Hold on. Do you want to see him at second base? How often? Every day. Okay. Every single day. Got it. <laughs> so Chris Young hit a home run. He had been in a terrible slump. So maybe you know he can get going again. He kind of carried their their bench for the first month of the season. So. 
carried their bench, carried their team. I mean, he was he was playing. He started. He got himself into an everyday role when Beltran was just yeah, you know, abysmal in right field. You know, Chris Young was playing against everybody um, early in the season. So yeah, he's he was a, he's been a big part of how the Yankees were able to kind of get off the um, get off the hump early in the season. You know, he doesn't need to hit three thirty with no. you know with a ton of home runs, but if he can just be a legit. Uh, fourth outfielder and a threat off the bench to go yard that's huge see that's exactly the role that steven drew needs to be that's <laughs> the same thing right he's a plus defender and chris and, and gives you flexibility young can do the same thing and he's got pop late in the game well Boom. i just walked Thank into you. that trap huh? yes you did yes you walked into that one <laughs> i'm not giving it, you credit though you didn't plan that <laughs> no i did not plan that that's why it was even more beautiful <laughs> so that's exactly why he's a, you know that's that's what you're looking for from your bench guys all right, upcoming schedule. They they're off today, or they're off Monday, and then they got two versus the Nationals, and then they're off Thursday, and then they got three in Baltimore. So hopefully they can keep the train rolling. I want to talk about the AL East for a second. Um, everyone keeps saying it's a weak division. It's a weak division. It's a weak division. If you look at the overall records of the teams, yeah, you can make that argument considering only the Yankees and Tampa are above 500 and were in June already. But just because it's you to say it's a weak division doesn't mean it's an easy division to win because I think a lot all these teams are fairly equally matched. So I think any one of the five could win the division. So it's not a cakewalk for the Yankees or any team to win the quote-unquote weak division. They still need to play better than the other teams. Um, so that's really what I wanted to say about the, you know, what everyone's saying about the AL East. Well, and the other thing about the AL East is it's going to come down to the matchups within the division. And there's never an easy game in, in the AL East when you're playing another AL East opponent, right? Like Baltimore always plays us tough. The Red Sox are obviously going to play us tough. Um, Toronto and, and Tampa always play us tough. You know, Tampa is like the, the one snake in the grass that's kind of scaring me just because I know they're they're getting reloaded on the pitching side and they already have good pitching and if that if that offense gets hot or if they find a guy that you know that that starts raking that's the one team to me that's like kind of the snake in grass but I think clearly the Yankees have the the most talent in the division and then you know the the starting pitching I think clearly we have the best with uh, the one two of Tanaka and Pineda so I mean I agree with you but I, I just you know I think it's going to be the the, the it, you know the games within the uh, AL East when they're playing each other oh it's uh, those, they're never a cakewalk 100 yeah. gonna come down to the last two weeks in september between one or between two or three of of these teams um but just a quick update on on you know some of the teams because we did the ale east preview uh in one of our first episodes and we really haven't talked much about these other teams but uh, baltimore who has won the division the last two years has really struggled and it's actually their offense that has let them down they're 10th in the league in runs scored when the last couple of years their offense has carried them, you know guys like uh, Chris Davis and Adam Jones um, and Nelson Cruz. And, yeah, last year Nelson Cruz. Yep, that's huge. Yes. That's a huge loss. Uh, Marquez is gone as well. Yep. So uh, their offense has really struggled, and they're in last place right now, and and they've been on a, on a tailspin. I really think that they overlooked that Nelson Cruz loss. That, that I, I think I, I predicted this kind of in the beginning of the uh, season when we were talking about this, is that he's going to be one of those guys you just cannot replace. Now, Chris Davis has, his power numbers have come back, and you know he's driving in runs. I think he's got 12 home runs on the, on the year as of today. Um, so there is power there. But there is a gaping hole when you leave out Nelson Cruz, who right now is one of the top offensive players in Major League Baseball. So you, you can't replace that. Absolutely. And the Red Sox uh, have been a weird team all year. They have, I think, the worst um, 
average with runners in scoring position, which when you think about some of their players, you know, uh, Dustin Pedroia, David Ortiz, Hanley Ramirez, Mike Napoli, I mean, say what you want about those guys, but they're usually pretty clutch hitters and they just haven't been this year. Yeah, and you know they're obviously if they, I, I, as long as they stick around, um, they're going to be a threat. And I just I hope at some point they can you know hit a losing streak and just kind of fade off into the sunset. But um, their pitching is just no good. They have no they have no pitching. And, well, and it's if actually those guys are offense hitting, the last. Uh, no, I know, but their pitching is bad as yeah, well. But if those uh, yeah, guys are is. not hitting and runners in scoring position. They're really not going to win games. Yeah, so it, they're losing games eight to seven, and the, then they're losing games three to two. It's just yeah. like one of those seasons for them. Oh, but yeah, they swept I, I agree. Oakland. They swept Oakland like we should have done. They took care of that business. Yep. And hopefully, like you said, though, the Red Sox can just be fading away mid-August because I know I'll get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Yeah, and uh, you just don't want that team to, to kind of hover around because you never know. But uh, early prediction for me, I know it's only June, but I think it's going to come down to the Yankees in Tampa. And uh, I actually do think the Red Sox will make a little bit, of a little bit of a push. I could see them sort of hanging around until sometime early September uh, for this division. What do you think? Uh, I'll disagree on that a little bit. I think the Red Sox are going to fade. I think the Red Sox, uh, it, all this stuff is going to catch up to them, and and they're going to they're going to fade. I think they're, I think they could finish in last place at this point. Um, Toronto, I don't know. I can never believe in Toronto, man. Honestly, like Toronto hasn't scared me in I don't know how many yeah. years, but um, I just feel like they're always like faking it. You know what I mean? They're 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 never uh, real, but they have talent. There's a lot of talent on that team. I'll say that. Um, so. Uh, you know they're they're probably going to hover in that area, but to me, uh, Baltimore could get hot. Baltimore is a, is a team that could get hot and play good baseball. Um, so I think it's going to come down to um, obviously I think the Yankees are going to be at the top of the division. I really do because I think they have the best talent and they're hitting the ball this year. They're they're hitting it like we we didn't expect them to hit it. Um, and you called it early. Uh, you know the wild card being Mark Teixeira, and he truly has been. And he's he's if he continues to hit and A Rod continues to hit, um, it's going to be tough to beat the Yankees. Uh, obviously, if we stay healthy, Mark so. Teixeira is in the MVP conversation. He's no not the MVP of the, of the league. Obviously, you got guys like Nelson Cruz with unbelievable stats, but he's in the conversation, which is he is in the conversation, which is huge, huge for this team. And if A Rod, I mean A Rod's, you know, we talked about this last week where he's starting to hit the off speed pitch. His average, I think he's hitting 280 plus right now. So you're you're seeing that batting average coming back as well. So he's getting on base a lot. He's his batting average is up. Um, you know, his power has I think plateaued a little bit. Um, but that's okay if he can get on base and just continue to drive in runs. That's that's where we want him. But and and stay on the field. You know, staying healthy. So um, yeah, you know, all, all signs are looking good right now in the Bronx. All right, so a couple of news items. We mentioned, obviously, Carpenter and Brendan Ryan, but uh, this one, I think, maybe took a couple people by surprise. The Yankees are skipping Pineda's next start. Um, Health-wise, he's fine. I think they just want to limit his innings. He's currently on pace for for 220, Um, so that's a lot, and I think they probably want to have him around 200 for the year. Um, So the next time he'll be pitching is June 12th. And they actually came out and said 220 was unacceptable. Was what was what the, uh, the the quote was too. And I think a lot of the, what they don't want to see is the what happened to Steven Strasburg a couple years ago, right? When they had to shut him down late in the game, and the Nats were literally making a playoff run at that point um, when they could have used him badly. Yeah. And uh, they don't want to see. You know, maybe I don't know if there's a hard count for Pineda. Um, I, it doesn't seem like there's a hard count uh, for him for innings as far as like drop dead. But um, the, it, I think managing it early is the way to go. Uh, if they are going to manage it. So, uh, you know, I'm all right with it, I guess. And in the long run, I think this is the right move. But don't be surprised if Pineda struggles his next start out. You know, when guys sit for a week and a half, and they're normally pitching every fifth day, and then all of a sudden they go 10 days, 12 days without pitching, 
he could struggle. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles his next time out. And baseball players, I think, more with almost any sport, uh, you know, they're up there. If it's, it, they're they're so dependent on routines, um, and and just like you said, you know, him being out of that routine a little bit, um, and his days are are changed, you know, with the way he throws, and um, now it's now it's a bit altered. Uh, I could I, I I could see that as well. I could definitely see him struggling a little bit on his next uh, his next outing. Also, Ivan Nova is pitching for the Tampa Yankees on Monday, which is a huge step uh, closer to the minor or <laughs> closer to the majors for him. So uh, I think we're going to be seeing him sometime midsummer. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, he can uh, come out, get some work in, get that arm strong, and um, uh, he'll be uh, he'll be a welcome addition. You can never have too much pitching. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you the one other the the one piece of news that's scaring me is Brendan Ryan. You know, rehabbing in AAA because uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I just yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, like you said, Perella's got the option, so he's going to be sent down, and I don't think that's the right move for this team. All right, you ready to get into the mailbag? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Just quickly before the mailbag, I just want to uh, mention the voicemail line again: six four six. Four eight zero zero three four two. We have not really gotten any voicemails. We we did get one, which we played a couple weeks ago. Um, we have not gotten many voicemails. We would love it if you guys could call in. It would be awesome. But so far, the mailbag has been awesome. We've gotten a number of submissions, so definitely excited about that. I would love to get a mailbag slash voicemail section of this podcast every week. Um, so no that's, doubt. That's my spiel. Let's hit it. Cool. All right. So the first question is from David Cunningham on Twitter. He's uh, at D underscore Cunningham 12. So thanks, David, for sending this one in. And it's a pretty straightforward question. I think a lot of people want to know. What kind of moves, if any, should the Yankees make before the trade deadline? So we just posted something on the site uh, that the Yankees are interested in second base help. Um, whether that's from the minors or from a trade. So I know that's been you know talked about a number of times, but they are looking for, for somebody to step up at second base. And they've got to find another righty out of the pen. I don't know if it's in a trade scenario or what, but um, those for me would be my, my top two. I definitely think they're going to look and, and upgrade the, the bullpen on the right-hand side. No doubt about it. I think they will do that with trade. I think they are going to look um, heavily into that. I don't really understand the second base, you know, trading for a second baseman personally, just because of the, the depth in AAA and, you know, with guys that we have are literally coming up in that position. So I don't, I don't really understand that, and I don't know what we could really get. I mean, what are you going to get? Another, I, I don't know. The, the guys that you're going to get to me are, are probably on par with Drew and Ryan, yeah. right? You know, you're Unless not you're get... trading for Zobrist, which I don't think they're going to do, right. then is it really worth it? Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't actually think they're going to do that. But the de- I definitely see them going after right-handed um, relief pitching, and I could actually see them entering the market for maybe um, you know another starting uh, arm as well. Because again, you can't get enough arms. Well, I could see them. They have Nova. They have Nova coming back. Um, that's like yep. a little mini trade uh, in the, right. of the season. But he's coming off of injuries, coming off of Tommy John, so you know we have to wait and see how he is, and it's not a definite that he's going to come back strong in the way he was, right? So that's why I think they're going to be exploring that starting pitching market. Yeah, and, and I think I they, don't think they're going after a major guy either. No, I do think they have some depth in the minors, whether they want to call it up or not. You know, guys like uh, Severino and Brian Mitchell are both right-handed, who right. later in the season could fill a, a right-handed void in the pen. 
No, absolutely. Severino is perfect. I, I think th- that's a, a great person to bring up because obviously he's one of the top touted uh, guys in our in our minors at this point, and he just got moved up to AAA uh, what last week or two weeks ago. So he's one step away now from from the from the show, and I think that corresponding move was for this reason, right? So to have that option later in the season, especially when the rosters expand. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks for the question, David. Uh, what do we got next? All right, so this one is from Alex Fulton. I did not get your uh, Twitter handle, so make sure you guys, when you put them in, also, if you don't mind, please put your Twitter handle in the message of the body of the um, the mailbag as well. So Alex says, uh, hey, guys, love the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate that. Wanted to know your thoughts on CC for a minute. He's proven to be inconsistent and unable to pitch in the middle and late innings. While I'm glad he has, we have designated David Carpenter for assignment, Me too. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like CC doesn't deserve a spot in the rotation. So if you could play Joe Girardi for a minute, is there anyone else you would like to see uh, get a chance in the rotation besides CC? That's a that's a good question, and it's a tough question because um, in a, in a perfect world, um, I think you would give other guys a shot because CC has been very up and down this year. But the reality is, he's making twenty four million dollars a year. And he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, and I mean, it's it's just not going to happen. So, um, the the last couple starts from him have been have definitely been more, improved. yeah, improved. And and you know, on the side, uh, you know, we can maybe see some more optimism there. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, he he's he's learning again how to pitch with lesser stuff, and and he's you know maybe making strides in more of a consistent way. All right. So so Alex asked me to play Joe Girardi. I'm, I'm yeah. going to play Joe Girardi here. Okay. Uh, in a CC start, I'm telling him, you know, give me what you got for five innings, and if you're looking good, I'll let you start the sixth. But you're not starting the seventh. That's maybe he did do. that today, and that's why he got tossed. So maybe, maybe, maybe you and Joe are but on the same CC, wavelength. CC is a five to pushing it to six inning pitcher, and that's it at this point. I agree. I agree. I've I've seen people write up this past week, uh, past week or two. I've seen you know a bunch of different articles around the kind of the Yankee blogosphere as well about them you know limiting 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 him to five innings, and that's that's just what he is at this point. He's a five inning guy, and you know the numbers prove it. I mean, you put out the numbers about how the the OPS uh, you know drastically goes through the ceiling when it doubles you know, he pretty enters. much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, unless he can prove otherwise, that is exactly who he is. But he's not going anywhere. All right. Uh, uh, good question, uh, Alex. And, uh, you know, we'll, I guess it remains to be seen what CC is this year. But um, he's not been their biggest uh, problem. So I guess that's good. Cool. So we actually, we actually have one more question uh, from Alex. He submitted a, f- uh, a couple, but we'll, we'll, we'll do one more just to um, talk about the All-Star game, too. He said, uh, do you think we will see an AL All-Star offensive lineup with zero Yankees this year? I know Ellsbury might be in the running, but what do you think? Go Yanks. What do you uh, think? Yeah, so I was um, I saw he put this question in there, and then I went and looked up the, the starters for the All-Star game if it were to start you know, tomorrow. And there's one, two, three, four, five Kansas City Royals. So I Did guess Kansas City Royal fans work. Do they have jobs? Well, like, I what think is- what happened is there's a a number of bandwagon fans from that little World Series appearance last year, and uh, I think they're really uh, stuffing the ballots there. I don't know, I, bandwagon Royals fan. That's a new thing, but um, yeah, they're they're definitely coming out in full force with the with the voting. So. Yeah, it does not look like there's going to be a Yankee. So here's here's the starters right now. Salvador Perez, catcher for the Royals. First base is Miggy from the Tigers. Second base, Jose Altuve from the Astros. Shortstop is Alcides Escobar from the Royals. 
third base is Mustakas from the Royals. Uh, in center, we got Lorenzo Cain. Uh, Trout is also out there. And uh, Alex Gordon from the Royals. And the DH is Nelson Cruz. Looking at those nine starters... I don't it's know weird. if you it's could, weird. but I don't know, you know, if I'm if I'm saying who deserves from the Yankees to be in there more than those guys. I don't think anybody uh Ellsbury was definitely on pace uh if he didn't get hurt to be the starting uh center fielder or, or a left field position or something like that. But I don't know if you can start, you know, Teixeira is having a great season, but he's not going to win out over Miguel Cabrera. So I think the answer is no. There will be no Yankees in the starting lineup. Yeah, that's okay. We'll fly under the radar. We'll just keep flying under the radar. Everybody says we're not going to be good, and we're just going to, you know, keep succeeding and doing what we're doing. And, uh, you know, gluten-free Mark Teixeira will will have to uh, settle for. You know, he should make the team. Um, oh, definitely, he'll be on. The you team. know, so he'll be there, but you know, just not in the starting rotation. And starting I want to see A Rod on the team. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it's not going to happen though. <laughs> All right. As much as people, some the the A Rod supporters want him, he ain't being. He's not going to be there. All right, so thanks everybody who uh, submitted to the to the mailbag. If we didn't get to your question, I apologize. Um, we'll we'll you know keep sending them in, and we'll we'll definitely get in uh, as many people's questions as we can. Uh, I'm really enjoying this part of the podcast, so definitely definitely thank you to those to, to the submissions. Yeah, awesome. So big big week last week. You know we got to keep it going. Off day on Monday, which is good. Get these guys rested. Get that bullpen rested. Um, and we should be, you know, flying on all cylinders when we go into Baltimore and Washington. So uh, that yeah. Washington series is kind of a little payback series, in my opinion. Two off days this week, so <laughs> not going to be a ton of Yankee baseball uh, midweek. But I guess you can watch the Wire Monday and Thursday night. There you go. I got one more season to go. We're on. We're on the final season. So it's one of the. That's a great show. Actually, it's perfect to watch to finish this to the season out in the Wire, right? Because there we're going to be in Washington and Baltimore this week. So there you go. Never, I've never seen it. Oh, it's great! You should watch it. It's one of the best I've shows. I've heard. I've heard it's great. It's it's on one. It's on my list of uh, of TV shows to eventually watch. You know the pro- the problem is it's like I have I so many. Have, I have like four months to watch TV, and the rest is just consumed by Yankees baseball. Yeah, I get it. So, all right. Uh, uh, good good talking with you, and uh, I guess we'll uh, see you next time. See ya. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. We really appreciate it. And go Yankees.